Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we have a special follow up to an earlier episode called Answering Kids Coronavirus Questions. Dr. Juan Dumois is back to keep you informed and answer your questions as COVID 19 continues to affect our lives. We'll be answering new questions from listeners as well as giving you important updates on answers from our last episode. Stay tuned. When we released our first episode about coronavirus or COVID 19 in March, we were just beginning to understand how much the virus would change all of our lives. We've now seen some very, very big changes in daily life that are going to be with us for a long time. With coronavirus, everything can change quickly. And it's important to understand that that is the nature of science and science news. As we learn more through the scientific process, the amount of evidence we have changes. And with it, we're able to make better decisions and recommendations. So before we get to our first question, I talked to Dr. Dumois on Friday, April 17th, 2020. His answers are based on his knowledge and expertise at that time. If you're listening weeks later, the situation in the science might have evolved, and Dr. Dumois' answers might be outdated, which is information that feels old or incorrect. In that case, look for more recently updated information from trusted sources like the Center for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, and follow guidelines from your local government. You can also keep sending us questions. Okay, so let's get to Dr. Juan de Moi, an infectious disease pediatrician at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. Thank you for being on the show again. How is your hospital doing? Is it taking on coronavirus patients? Our hospital is a children's hospital, so we only see children up to about 18 years of age. We are testing some children in our emergency room every day, and the vast majority of them are testing negative. Our hospital is reflecting what people have been seeing all along that it is a much smaller issue for children. Well, so that's good news. So, what's our first question from a kid? We're going to start with a very interesting question from Eric. Hi, my name is Eric. I'm eight years old. I live in Hinsdale, Illinois. And my question is if you were the coronavirus, what would life feel like? Okay, I'm going to have to get creative here. That's probably the most creative question I've heard about the coronavirus. It is brilliant, I think. We do need to say that viruses aren't human. They can't perceive emotion, and therefore they can't really feel life or be solidly described as alive in the first place. <laughs> These are some issues that viruses might have. <laughs> But I thought that this was a really refreshing way to think about the virus. And Dr. Demois took a long time to think about it. So here's his answer I would imagine that the coronavirus. Tends to be lonely and always wants company. So, what the coronavirus is really good at is making many more copies of itself. So, when the coronavirus gets into an animal or a human, it immediately starts making lots of brothers and sisters to play with. And those brothers and sisters help make Lots more brothers and sisters and cousins very quickly. Unfortunately, 
that's what makes people sick. The coronavirus then becomes happier when all its brothers and sisters and cousins are around, but it starts to get crowded and it needs to find places that are less crowded. So the coronavirus will look for less crowded places, which for a virus is someone who isn't sick yet. And it will spread as soon as it can to a less crowded person that doesn't have it yet and start making more brothers, sisters, and cousins. So right now the coronavirus is probably pretty happy in how quickly it can spread between people. I think that's a pretty good way to describe why the coronavirus spreads. It just wants to be happy by making friends. Which keeps us from seeing our friends. It's kind of like a frenemy. <laughs> it's a toxic friend. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So our next set of questions is about how the coronavirus makes us feel, starting with Yona. My name is Yona. I live in San Diego and I'm eight years old. This is my question. What should someone do if they catch the virus? Pretty straightforward question and probably has a very clear answer. Nope, it's complicated. When you get sick with the COVID-19 virus, you're going to have symptoms like a lot of other cold viruses. So you can have a stuffy nose. You might sneeze. You might have coughing. Some people have fever where they feel really cold or really hot, but not everybody gets the fever. Uh, Some people feel achy, or some people might even have an upset stomach or a headache. And there, unfortunately, are no symptoms that would tell me as a doctor, you definitely have COVID-19 or you don't have COVID-19. We have to do a test. Dr. Demois acknowledged that tests are not currently available to everyone who wants one, but he's hopeful that it will get easier to get tested in the near future. But if you do get tested and find out you have COVID-19... What we do about it depends upon how sick you are. So some people with COVID-19 are hardly sick at all, and they don't even know that they're sick. They haven't even noticed any symptoms. Other people have like a cold, but they don't feel really bad. And they can just kind of rest at home until they get better. There are some people, they get sick enough to where they have to go to the hospital. In the hospital, one of the most common treatments is to give oxygen. So oxygen can be delivered into the nose. And that helps people who are developing pneumonia, lung infection with COVID-19. But otherwise, if you're not that sick, you just stay at home and you can take medicines that help with the aches and pains or headaches or with the fever. Dr. Dumois also told me that it's important to self-isolate or live apart from other people so that you don't spread the virus to anyone else. Don't help the coronavirus make brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. Can you? Can the virus make an aunt? I couldn't make an aunt. You never know. <laughs> Our next two questions dig into that answer from Dr. Dumois a little bit more. Let's start with Sebi. My question is, why do you cough when you have the coronavirus? When you have the coronavirus or some other viruses that make you cough, the reason that you cough is that there's 
extra mucus or, or like saliva or spit that gets down and tickles the tube that takes air down to your lungs. That tickling causes this reflex of coughing to expel that stuff from going into your lungs because it's just not good for extra fluids or extra saliva to go down into your lungs. It, it can make you sick. So coughing is that natural mechanism to keep stuff out of your lungs. So coughing is our body trying to protect our lungs, which I'm pretty sure we need to breathe. Yes. And COVID-19 is at its most dangerous when it gets into your lungs, which brings us to this question from Ethan. Why does COVID-19 bring pneumonia to elder people? Pneumonia is an infection in the lungs. It doesn't only happen in elderly people, and it's not guaranteed to happen to them either. But Dr. Demois explained why it's common in severe cases. The COVID-19 virus does tend to cause pneumonia because it likes to attach to the cells in the lungs. So that's why pneumonia is one of the more common problems we see. The immune system is what's in our body that helps us fight against infection. So that when we get an infection, our immune system kicks in to fight it and get rid of it so that we become well again. That same defense against infection, the immune system, is weaker in older folks. And so um, they're more prone to getting very sick uh, with COVID-19. So basically, if someone's immune system isn't very good at fighting off illnesses, COVID-19 is more likely to develop into pneumonia. That's what scientists think right now. There's still a lot to learn about how the virus affects people and why. But speaking of older people, I wanted to follow up on a question from our last episode from Rafi. Can I still hug and kiss my grandma? I remember in our last episode, Dr. Dumois said that if both people are perfectly healthy, it's probably okay. He did say that, but his answer is different now. What we know now about the COVID-19 virus is that some people, when they catch it, don't get sick at all, but they might be contagious to other people. And if they are contagious, the most likely way they're going to spread it to somebody else is in their saliva. So for now, it is probably not safe for someone to be kissing another person who is at high risk of getting really sick from COVID-19. And that includes older people like grandparents, or other people who have illnesses that make their immune systems weaker. Wow. So even if you feel perfectly healthy, you might still be carrying the virus and spreading it. That's really tricky. It is tricky. So if you haven't been isolating with your grandparents all along, keep your distance. Like uh, blow kisses from across the street or at least six feet away and make sure they're not the wet kind. <laughs> exactly. So most of us have been at this quarantine thing for a while now, and we're really missing seeing our friends, not just on a screen. So that's why Juniper wants to know if she can play with just one chosen friend. Is it okay if I quarantine with my friend? I'm only playing with her. Hers only play with me. 
Both of our parents are quarantined too. I really want to play with her. That's a very reasonable and logical question, but because of the possibility that people could have been infected and not have symptoms yet, and then spread it to somebody else, we're still recommending that children should not get together to play, even though the families have been isolating. Because even families that have been isolating are going to the grocery store in most cases. Uh, and going outdoors and potentially getting exposed to other people.、Uh, when you go to the store, you see routinely that people are not maintaining six feet distancing from other people. Many people going to the stores are not wearing masks. They're not doing what's recommended. And so, every time we, as grown-ups, have to go to the grocery store, we're potentially exposing ourselves and bringing virus back home. So. No, it's a really hard answer, and none of us want to hear it. But Dr. Dumois is saying, "Better safe than sorry." It seems like the recommendations and restrictions are about playing it as safe as possible, while scientists work to figure out more about the virus. Exactly. So, speaking of companions, here's a question about our furry friends from Joey. Hi, my name is Joey, and I'm five years old. How can dogs not get the virus?、Um, dogs can get the virus, right? Yeah, as we mentioned in our last episode, dogs can get the virus, but not get sick from it. But in early April, a tiger at the Bronx Zoo in New York tested positive for coronavirus. I asked Dr. Dumois if the information about animals has changed. The、um, new information that we're learning is about whether. COVID nineteen affects certain animals. Specific coronaviruses like、uh, the COVID nineteen virus might have preference for certain types of animals over others. Wait, what? What does he mean by that? COVID nineteen might have a preference for certain types of animals. Like I am kind of a dog person. I mean, it's not like. I would rather cuddle with one type than another, but it means that the virus has to have the ability to live within an animal's cells, and different animals have different types of cells. So just because COVID nineteen doesn't work in a dog doesn't mean that it can't work in a cat or make a cat sick, which is why the case of the sick tiger is concerning.、Uh, in the zoo, the tiger started coughing. And so someone decided, well, let's test them for COVID nineteen, and they found out, oh, these tigers are positive, and they probably got it from one of the zookeepers who tested positive but had no symptoms. What we don't know yet is whether some of these animals that are infected by humans can then spread the virus to other humans.、Uh, another reason not to take tigers into your home, just to be on the safe side. Absolutely. Just to clarify, only one tiger has a confirmed case of coronavirus. But to finish our interview with Dr. Demois, I ask the question that's on all of our minds: When and how can kids go back to school and parents go back to work? And how are scientists helping answer this question and help us find a way back? Oh boy, that is a super complicated question. Yeah, I mean, we've all been looking at the news, and it definitely seems like there's no clear path yet. 
Right, there isn't. But scientists and decision makers are working really hard to put together plans based on what we know about coronavirus right now and what we hope to be able to find out. The main goal of social distancing, closing down schools, is to slow the spread of the virus. And the main reason we're trying to slow the spread of the virus is so that hospitals don't get overwhelmed. Dr. Dumois told me that the first step is to watch the number of people affected by coronavirus. Scientists and decision makers are trying to figure out if there's a magic number to know when it's gone down enough. It's a difficult calculation in figuring when is it safe to allow faster spread of the virus to where our hospitals can still handle it. And you might find that they'll make recommendations that are different for different states and even different for different cities within states. And when they relax restrictions, they may do partial relaxing of restrictions. So they may start opening uh, some businesses like restaurants and shops, but they may still say, but we're not going to have any big sports stadiums opening where thousands of people go to a football or a baseball game. That's probably something that we may not see much of for the rest of the year. Wow. So I guess things are going to be different for a long time. Yes. Recovering from COVID-19 is not a straight line from where we are now back to normal life. We should think of it more like a wavy or squiggly line with sickness and safety restrictions going up and down as we ride this out. And then nobody should be surprised if we see new restrictions being imposed later in the year after the restrictions have been relaxed. Because if we start seeing the numbers going up, if we start seeing the hospitals getting too busy to save everybody, we'll see new restrictions. And this may continue off and on until later in 2021 when we finally get a vaccine. Scientists say that a safe and effective vaccine is the only way to know for sure that we can beat back coronavirus and return to normal life. They hope that they'll have one ready in 18 months which may seem like a long wait, but that's faster than a vaccine has ever been made before. In the meantime, they're also working towards better treatments to save more sick people. Wow. So it sounds like we have to do two things. First, keep being careful to keep slowing the spread of the virus. And two, be very, very patient. It is really hard. But think of it this way. Everyone has a big role to play in helping scientists and the scientific process. Staying home is a way of buying time to figure out how COVID-19 works, how to treat people who have it, and develop a vaccine. Thanks to Dr. Juan Demois, infectious disease pediatrician at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg, Florida. Thanks also to the media team there for helping coordinate our interview. We'll have more resources to learn about coronavirus on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com. You can also listen to our first coronavirus question and answer episode, which has good information about how the virus got started, as well as our episode, Where Do Viruses Come From?, about the study of viruses. And keep sending your COVID questions to us at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. 
I'm also super excited that those episodes are also available in Spanish and Espanol thanks to our collaboration with La Coctelera Music. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. They're right on our feed. Sarah Lentz is our head of partnerships. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the music. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.